0: Running a home takes a lot of energy. So at Energy Australia, we've created the Total Energy Plan. An energy plan that, yes, ticks the boxes. Get a discount off your total energy bill guaranteed. No lock-in contracts and fixed rates for 12 months. Find out how you can save with our Total Energy Plan. Energy Australia. Light the way. Conditions apply. To view basic plan information documents, visit energyaustralia.com.au.
1: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. I think it's fair to say that Mia Friedman is, in Australia, a household name. She founded Mamma Mia, the online and now podcasting empire, focusing specifically on women and it has been hugely popular. Mia describes herself as having no filter and her latest book, Work Strife Balance, confirms it. I'm speaking to Mia at the Mama Mia offices. Hi, Mia. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, now, this book is so open. Does it ever get tricky when you're doing that and your family is part of all of that?
0: Yes, it can. Particularly... Um When I first started writing first person and and I I first sort of came into the public eye and was the editor of of Cosmo, it was just my partner that I had to think about or my parents perhaps if I was telling stories about my own childhood. But, of course, when I started having children, their stories were interwoven with mine and I think that this is an issue for all parents. You don't have to be in the public eye. If you've got a Facebook page or an Instagram account, You have to make decisions every day about what you're going to share and what you're not going to share. You know, I really like this term, sharenting, because so often we talk about rules for kids with social media. But something that I've learned with a a, a son who's 19 now is that there also need to be rules for parents. So my daughter is 11 and my youngest son is 8 – my eldest son has suffered the most, I guess, in terms of borne the brunt of my, my trial and error with this. So there there have been things that I sh- have shared about him not realising that they would be embarrassing to him because the things that are embarrassing to kids, particularly in those ages from about eight years old to about 17, they're very difficult years. and And for a parent, they're really interesting, challenging years and there's funny stories and this and that and we want to share them. But... My son, who's eight, he recently said to me, "Mum, if you Google me of Friedman's kids, there are pictures of me on the internet." And I went, "Oh, how does that make you feel, sweetheart?" And because he didn't seem happy, and he goes, "It doesn't make me feel very good, Mum." He said, "There's one picture there of me in a nappy," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, sweetheart!" And, it, and he was just mortified. And in actual fact, it wasn't him; it was me holding someone else's baby. <laughs> but to him, he thought he thought that was the case, and. Everyone wears nappies. Like, what's the problem? No parent would think that that would be a problem. But even the fact that he was a baby or he was a child was embarrassing to him. So all these things that seem like us to just be adorable, common, bog-standard things of childhood, your kids can be mortified by them for a while. And so um, I think that this is something you only realise in hindsight. And in actual fact, there are only a very small handful of photos of my kids on the internet Yet I've still managed to, in my writing on occasion, breach my eldest son's trust in ways that he's been appalled by. And he he wrote a chapter in this book talking about how I've breached his trust by writing about things that he thought were private conversations between us and which I just thought were good
1: material. And how does that feel as um, a mother? I mean, we all wonder what our kids are thinking. Did you have any insight to what Luca was going to write before you actually published the book and the chapter like did you know what he was going to say in a way
0: I did because we've always had a close relationship and we've always had an unusual relationship in that he's been the sort of responsible one you know he was my firstborn. I was pretty young I was 24 I'm not hugely responsible or mature um, and he's just one of those kids he's a Virgo and just by his nature he's ve- always been very adult so we've always had a little bit of a like a, a Safi and a Dina on Ab Fab our relationship's been a lot like that where he's been the sort of we're going to be late and I've been like let's eat biscuits in bed so I wasn't surprised by the criticisms that he had of my parenting and the fact that I got him to birthday parties late and you know I it, it it upset me that things that I just dismissed as being pretty unimportant in the scheme of things had really had a profound effect on him, but I think that's pretty much par for the course. The stuff about betraying his trust, that really upset me, and then, of course, he wrote some nice things as well. I loved what he said about how I taught him to be a good guy or the good guy, how he had to be the good guy in in the room. Because you're right, you always wonder if you're getting it right and your kids certainly let you know when you're getting it wrong. Is Luca a bit like when you say he's the eldest child and there is
1: a big difference, huge age difference. How much did parenting him change the way you parented your younger kids and also not just because he's the eldest but because the way we parent has changed so much in that time. So true.
0: Look, he was an only child for the first eight years of his life. And for two of those years, his his father and I were separated. So he was an only child and then he was a child of two single parents. And he actually thrived during that time. It was between the ages of about three and five. You can never have a firstborn again, you know. You can never give your subsequent children that same kind of focus and attention that you give you're first but in many ways I think that's probably a good thing because sometimes I write something I write about in my book is that sometimes it's really important for kids not to come first and that sounds quite controversial and I don't mean when they're in distress or if they're bleeding or you know (laughs) when you don't pick them up from school that's not what I mean but sometimes for a kid to know that mum can't come to the swimming carnival because she's got to be at work or she's got to take Nana to a doctor's appointment or mum's travelling or whatever it happens to be or mum's not well. I think that's really important. Kids learning to cope with disappointment and learning that our parents aren't just there in you know the universe doesn't completely revolve around us now obviously they need to feel secure that all their needs are being met their fundamental needs but in terms of of rate of response for example to a demand or a need or a wish or an expression of emotion i know that i personally struggle enormously with disappointing my children and then being upset and i find that i will take the quick fix and I will be the one I'm I'm good cop and and my husband's bad cop because he's much more about well they've got to learn this and they've got to be taught this whereas I'll just be wanting to be the fun one um which I don't think does them any favors it's more fun for me but um I don't I think it's selfish in many ways I think that learning to be patient learning to share the attention of people is really 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 important
1: You're listening to Kindling Conversation and I'm speaking to Mia Friedman about her book, Work Strife Balance. And we were just talking about parenting and uh, having such a big gap between her first child, Luca, and her other two children. Part of the book, of course, the first part is about your work Mm. and the Mamma Mia website and everything it's become seems to be part of your DNA. Like it sounds like when you write, you're on... You could be on your phone, you could be watching on all different platforms. But I'm wondering, how do you relax? Because even though you might be enjoying that, your brain's going a 1,000 miles an hour. How does Mia Friedman chill out?
0: What I've learned is that chilling out means different things for different people. And what I don't do is switch off. I used to feel, up until really recently, I used to feel that I should switch off. I should disconnect from the internet. I should... You know, just have quiet time. But for me, uh, because probably I I suffer from anxiety and the type of person I am, if my mind has too much idle time, it causes trouble. It's a bit like leaving a toddler alone in the lolly aisle at the supermarket. (laughs) Bad idea. Um, So for me, remaining plugged in is part of my relaxation, and I'm fortunate in that my work and my relaxation overlap. So the way I relax, though, is if I'm re- – do you want me to be really honest? Be really honest. Yes. You know, see, I feel like I'm going to say I meditate or I walk I – f- <laughs> I go – I just – I'm among nature. I listen to podcasts while walking around Westfield alone. <laughs> that – is how I relax.
1: That's awesome. What yeah. are you doing in Westfield?
0: <laughs> I like I like looking at shops or trying on clothes. The other way is that I reorganise my closet while listening to podcasts. You know, I think by, by nature of being a parent, you become used to having a short concentration span because you're constantly interrupted. Your time is not your own. So I think that for me, relaxation is when my time is my own and walking around Westfield alone, listening to my podcasts, the other thing about podcasts or, or kindling radio is that it allows you as a parent, because you you don't get to choose when you can be alone, and you can't be alone, really. Like, the amount of time you get to spend solo is fractional, if, if it exists at all, not even when you're on the toilet. So I find that podcasts, and I hear this from many women, is a way of being alone when you're not alone. So it's the same with exercise. I learnt very early on, if I wanted to exercise every day, I had to work out a way of exercising that was in my house because I couldn't rely on having someone to look after my kids while I went to the gym or I went for a run in the street so I've always had a treadmill in my house for the last I don't know 25 years and that and it's the same with podcasts you know it it enables you particularly if your kids are really small you, you can be with them but still feel like you're listening and learning and growing. You can sit in the park and watch them on the swings while you're still feeding your own brain. You just gave me the perfect idea. I hate going to the park. It's so boring. (laughs) I hate the park too. I can't tell you how much I hate the park and I always felt like I was such a failure and a terrible mother for hating the park because I felt like that was just a part of motherhood. You enjoyed sitting on the floor playing Games and the, you enjoyed going to the park. And then I remember chatting with a girlfriend and she said, oh, my God, if I have to go to the park one more time, it's death by park. <laughs> and then about a year or two ago, I said to my kids something about, oh, I hate the park. And they went, yeah, we hate the park too. And I went, have you always hated the park? And they went, yes. And I said, why didn't you tell me this? We could have saved so much time. Parks are boring, but with a podcast, you can sit in a park
1: for a long I'm, time. I'm going to take that away with me. Um Just coming back to your book for a minute, um, the chapter that touched me the most was the one that's called The Hardest Year of Parenting. And um, just to paint this scenario, I was away with my kids. They were jumping on one of those pillow trampolines, having the time of their life. And I was just sitting in the corner crying. (laughs) It was all about the last that you don't notice. And it feels to me when I was reading it, I was like, oh, my goodness, every parent needs to read this chapter when they're small kids are driving them insane.
0: I know, but I don't think it probably helped you.
1: Oh, it did. Oh, did it?
0: It did. I was I was much more patient. What do they say? The years are short, but the days are long. Mm. And that's really, really true. I think that there's nothing worse than coming up to a mother with a little baby or a little toddler or three little toddlers and saying, just enjoy every second. Yes just make every moment count because it goes so fast and you're like oh my god all that I want to go fast is the time that they're asleep so I can have a glass of wine but there's no way around that and and you do wish a lot of it away because in that moment it's really annoying and you can't imagine that there'll ever be another moment um but what I wasn't ready for was my child not being a child anymore that and and that really happens in year 12 like I think because he also turned 18 which many kids do in their final year of school it was like felt so momentous and it was so there were all these rituals with his school and of course his 18th birthday and you know there were final assemblies and there were parent dinners and there were all these things so it it I liked being stepped through that process, but I didn't realise how distressed it would make me. And the other thing that I find that I can't look at anymore is, you know, on Facebook when it comes up with memories, it makes me cry. I have to just go past it. And my husband's going through this thing of looking at back at old movies of the kids, and I can't because I miss all those little kids. They're gone. They're all gone. And I've got different kids. I've got kids who at this moment are 8, 11, and 19, but there are 100 other kids that I've had over the last 19 years that I will never have again, that I will never see again, that I will never get to be irritated with again. Yes. And that's devastating. I don't quite know how to process that. But you don't notice it at the time. It's really like watching a sunset. You you can't actually see it. It just – you can't see where the colours change in the sunset. You just can see that at the bottom it's blue and at the top it's pink and, and it's just in, indiscernible but then – yeah blink and you'll miss it but that doesn't when you're in the middle of it when someone says that to you all it does is make you feel irritated and guilty yes
1: yes although I didn't feel that way reading it it, oh, did, it, it definitely made me feel uh much more able to be in the moment now Mamma Mia is about to or oh, is expanding into the U.S. Is that the next chapter for you, Um, moving continents, moving your life? I mean, what's the next step? Such
0: a good question. And it's something that I've really, really toyed with. You know, when I first met my husband, I was in the process of moving to New York. I was going to move over there and and try my hand at at journalism. And then I met him and then I fell pregnant pretty quickly. and, And those plans were very happily derailed. And then, I had a couple of opportunities when Luca was small to move over there to edit magazines and I tried to hide behind Luca and my husband who had business here and I said, oh, I couldn't possibly do it because of, you know, the family and and Jason, my husband, was like, no, no, we could make it work. Like, if you really want to do this, we could make it work, which forced me to confront the fact that I actually just didn't want to go. I just (laughs) didn't want to do it. Like, I felt that I should want to, but I didn't. And then you know, I I have to say it hasn't been my desire or my passion to, to push into the US. That's been driven by my husband and his vision for the business and strategy and so on. But then when I was there about a year ago, I was in New York and I thought, well, maybe we'll move the family over. Maybe we'll spend a year or so here. And I thought about it and we talked about it. And Again, I've come to the conclusion that that's just not viable. So it's meant that we've had to accept that we, if we're not prepared to move over there, as you well know, it's very hard to grow a business when you're not on the ground. So because the timing is not right at the moment, we've had to scale back a little bit, or downscale um, our plans for US expansion, which suits me fine because I'm most passionate about about being in Australia I want my kids to grow up here Um, my daughter starts high school next year you know my son's got his own life here now so if we moved he he wouldn't move with us and so I just had to once again accept nah here's where I want to be
1: Brilliant. Well, Mia, thank you so much for your time Thanks today. Thanks for having
0: me and congratulations on Kindling. It's just brilliant. Thank you. Thank you.
1: That was Mia Friedman. She's the founder of Mama Mia and author of Work Strife Balance. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.